Good evening. It's my privilege to be able to, to serve you in God's Word this evening. And uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews this evening. Hebrews chapter 4, possibly my favorite book in the Bible. I love the book of Hebrews. The author is, well, he doesn't mention who, it, who he is in, in the letter. We're not sure of who he is. Some people think possibly Paul, but we don't know. We do know that he was most likely a Jew. He knew extensive amounts of Jewish tradition, Jewish laws, and he is speaking to a Jewish audience. The book is entitled Hebrews, and he does a great job of explaining the law, the Jewish history, and showing them how it pointed towards Jesus Christ. And if you think about the people who this letter was written to, I think it had to have been one of the most unique times in history. Consider that for generations upon generations upon generations, the Jews had been living according to God's law. They had, been, they had sacrifices that were set up in the law. They had the tabernacle. All of these things that were passed down and passed down and with the life and death of one man, they stopped. That is a unique time in history. And some of the people that had read this letter from Hebrews had experienced that transition. I cannot imagine what that would have been like for everything to have changed. And the author of Hebrews, throughout the entirety of his book is saying, you, you can't go back. You cannot go back to the law. You have to enter into what God is doing anew and afresh, the, and, and really the whole time through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10.1 says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect the law was a shadow it wasn't the substance it was a shadow it was a reflection it wasn't the essence it told something of what was coming but it was a means to an end and the end was Jesus Christ one of the things that I think about when I think about God as a teacher, Jesus Christ as a teacher, is what an excellent illustrator God is. I think is, if, you've, if you've taught it all, you, um, you try to come up with illustrations. They say a good teacher is a good illustrator. God is a supreme illustrator. And he is able to use the canvas of time. He's able to use your life as a means to an end to explain something about himself. It wasn't until I got married and had a wife that I had even a glimpse of how much Christ loved the bride, his church. Then I had an idea. It wasn't until I was a dad and a father and I read verses in Hebrews that talks about God disciplines and chastens those he loves like a loving father. Discipline. Then I got it. As I sat there with my son 
and I'm overshadowed by the perfect father, and I'm overshadowed by the perfect husband, I was able to start to understand, in part, some of these great truths about God. This evening, we're going to be looking, um, for, for lack of words, I'll call it an illustration. It's the, it's the Sabbath, specifically the Sabbath rest. It's something that um, we know about. We don't practice Sabbath at church, but we've read about it in Scripture, and we've seen that God is serious about rest. He's serious about rest. He's serious about the Sabbath. And I know growing up, as I, as I would read through Scripture and I would read about the Sabbath, you'd have to ask yourself, why? <laughs> why is God so serious about the Sabbath and resting? What is he illustrating? For instance, in Numbers 15.32, you don't have to turn there, there was a man um, who was caught on the Sabbath gathering sticks. The people caught him. They brought him before the elders. The elders brought him before the Lord, and God said, stone him. Really? He just was picking up sticks. You see, if the illustration, if the shadow is affected, the essence or what the shadow is representing is also, it it is miscommunicated. And God wants the shadow. He wants the illustration perfect. But what is he illustrating when we think about the Sabbath? Our goal tonight, Hebrews 3, 1. Hebrews 3 and 4 are kind of a chunk that we're going to be looking at, mostly Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 3, 1 starts out, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Our goal tonight is to consider Jesus Christ. We sang that song, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. That's what we're going to do this evening. We're going to consider Jesus and consider the joy that is found in him. Our second goal is, um, in, is, to, is to study Hebrews and is to understand what God's rest is. And perhaps no one desired this rest as much as the nation of Israel. Not then, not today. Let's go ahead and read our main section of study, Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to read the whole way, 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disbelief. Again he designates a certain day. 
saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Did you notice the repetition? The word rest is used nine times alone in this chapter. When God repeats something, we should pay attention to it. He's he's emphasizing something. The word rest, it has, I'm not going to say five different meanings, but it has five different um, ways that you could look at it. It has five different things that all go into the word rest. The first thing is, uh, it means to cease from works. Have you ever remodeled your house while you were living in it? Do you remember the feeling of when you were done? Man, that was, that's a good feeling. You're done. You can rest in your house again. The second, freedom. Rest means freedom. Imagine being a slave and then being released from slavery. Imagine having a huge debt and then it finally being paid off. Rest means freedom. Rest means to lie down fixed and secure. Have you ever been on the road for a number of days and you're sleeping in a hotel for a week on a strange bed and you finally get home and that feeling of when you lay down and it's your own pillow, you can rest. Rest means to lie down fixed and secure. Rest means confident, no reason to fear. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever been um, hiking in the woods this past year? I was hiking, hunting actually. I I was hiking with a stick. I didn't get anything. But uh, we were out in the woods and kind of got circled around and didn't know where I was. And to hear the horses whinny off in the distance and thinking, okay, I know where I'm at again. And then when I hit the trail and I was walking back down to where we were camped, that feeling of, okay, it's, I'm, it's, I'm confident. I know where I'm at again. Rest means to be fixed and secure. And then finally, rest means to lean on. Like you would lean on a staff. Or if you had a broken leg, you would lean on crutches. And if you didn't have that staff or you didn't have that crutch or that wheelchair, how it would hurt limping around and how it would be bothersome. But when you sit down, you can rest. Rest means all of those things. But the rest that is in Hebrews is not just any rest. If you look in 4.1, it talks about his rest. It's a specific rest. In um, 4.3, it talks about that rest. The same thing in 4.3, the author says, my rest, a capital M, God's rest. It's called a Sabbath rest. It's a specific rest. Because not just any rest will do. Any rest other than God's rest is just a nap. Um, This rest is the rest that the Israelites desired. This is what they wanted. 
And what the author is going to do is he's going to set up a parallel so that you can, he's going to set up an illustration that the Jews would have known like the back of their hand. And the story was the promised land. The promised land and God's rest go hand in hand. That's what they wanted. They wanted to go into the promised land and they wanted to rest there. Hebrews 4.1 starts out with, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering, let us fear. Now, if you were a Jew, you would have understood there's a lot of history and there's a lot of weight behind that therefore. If you go back to chapter 3.7, chapter three, we'll uh, try to catch up a little bit and understand the gravity of what's going on. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts and, as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested and tried me. Do you remember this story? This is a good Bible story that, I, that a lot of us grew up with. The story begins in Genesis 12. God says to Abram, get out of your country. Get away from your father's land. Get out of your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And Abram had not been there, and he left. He followed God in faith, and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. And, he, and God had promised him a land. The story goes on. A couple generations later, where is, where is Abraham's people? They're in Egypt. They're in slavery. God delivers them. They go through the Red Sea. God provides for them. All throughout the desert, he goes the whole way up to the promised land at a city called Kadesh Barnea. It's the, the gateway of the promised land. From Kadesh Barnea, I believe you can see into the promised land. Do you remember the story what happens? They were supposed to receive rest. They were supposed to go into the land. And this is what, it, turn to Leviticus 26. One of the things that I love about the book of Hebrews is it takes us through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, into Psalms. Let's turn to um, Leviticus together. Leviticus 26. This is the idea this is kind of a glimpse of what God intended for his people. We'll start in verses to, uh, chapter 26, verse 3. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, if you obey me, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees and the fields shall yield their fruit. Verse 5, your threshing shall last to the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last to the time of sowing. Verse 6, I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none, of, and none will make you afraid. Verse 7, you will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred shall um, put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Did that happen? Is that what happened? 
Did they go into the land and the land produced its fruit? Did they go into the land and all their enemies ran from them and they had rest? No. Not then, not now. They did not receive the rest. Um, Doesn't seem quite fair, does it? I mean, some of those people, probably who were at Kadesh Barnea, the gateway (laughs) to the promised land, some of them were probably in Egypt. And, And they followed God the whole way through the Red Sea. Every day they followed him by the cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. They ate the manna. They drank water from the rock. They got the whole way. And what grade did they get? Did God give them a B for effort? Or maybe a C because they made it? No. If they, do, if they didn't go in, God gave them an F. If you don't go in the whole way by faith, God doesn't say that's okay. Um, go to, uh, if you remember back at Numbers 13. Numbers 13, God called the land good. He said the promised land is good. 13.1 He tells Moses, go send spies into the land, 12 spies. Go and see the land. Moses sends in the 12 spies. He says, tell me if the land is good or bad. Tell me if the soil is rich or fertile. 12 go in. What was their report? After 40 days, they come back. 10 of them called what God said is good. They said it's evil. What God said, this is good, they said is evil. And they said, we can't go in. Giants are in the land. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, the land is good. There's big guys there, but God is going to fight for us. That's what he told us. And at that point, they rejected the land and they rejected God. They didn't go in and they desired What did they desire? Egypt. They desired slavery. And God said, you have rejected me. What what God declared good, um, Israel declared as evil. And God said, for every day, for every day that you saw the promised land, you suffer 40, you suffer one year back in the desert. 40 years, and that whole generation died off. Why didn't they go in? Why didn't they receive the rest? Turn back to Hebrews. Hebrews 4.2. <clears throat> For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. The gospel was preached to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why not? Not being mixed with faith 
in those who heard it because they didn't have faith to enter completely in. What does Hebrews eleven six say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He, Hebrews ten thirty eight says, The just shall live by faith, and anybody who turns back, my soul takes, has no pleasure in him. For the Israelites, to be pleasing to God, they needed to trust him and enter the whole way in by faith. Following part way wouldn't do. It had to be the whole way. Faith in God means following him the whole way. When, the, when God moves, you move. When the cloud moves, you follow. Can you imagine the, um, the temptation for the Jews in this day to have shrink, to shrink back? This letter of Hebrews was written to a people who were being persecuted. Persecuted Christians... Imagine the temptation to shrink back from Christ and say, you know, I can still be a Jew and keep the law. And I tell you, that was a lot easier. Nobody was trying to kill me. And the author says, you can't do that. You are standing on Kadesh Barnea. If you don't enter into what God has for you, into Jesus Christ, who is the essence of the shadow that you have known for generations and generations. You die in the desert, just like your forefathers, but you die in your sin. You must, and you must go fully in by faith into Jesus Christ, or you will, see, you will not rest, not like God intended it. You may, you may get a break. But that's not what God intended for you. What he has is so much better. Um, Hebrews 4.3. Listen to how the author encourages the Hebrews. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. You hear what the author is saying? Some people have entered God's rest. It is possible. We've entered God's rest. You can too. And if you think about it from, that, from their perspective, they're, they're a nation who, has, who was in Roman oppression. They've been in, in captivity, Babylonian captivity. They, they have received no rest for generations and generations. And the author says, for we who have believed... We do enter. If you were a Jew, wouldn't you be thinking, what is he talking about? You see, they, did, they didn't quite understand the nature of rest that God had for them. Their idea of rest was peace, freedom. Be, maybe like King David had given them, where, they were, where, where the nation of Israel was a world power but that's not the rest that God intended for him. So what the author's going to do is he's going to explain and let God define what rest is. That's a good lesson, to let God define what he means. I think a lot of times we catch our cues from culture. What does it mean to be 
a good man. What does it mean to be a, a woman? What is beautiful? What does a good marriage look like? And we look at our culture to catch our cues rather than the creator. So what the author does here is he's going to take us the whole way back to Genesis 2-2. And he's going to show us what rest is as defined by the person of God who created it. So I think we should go there too. Let's go to Genesis 2-2 together. We're going to do a lot of flipping here this evening. But that's what Hebrews does. Genesis 2-2, the account of creation. Keep your fingers in Hebrews. We'll be going back in a minute. Hebrews 2-2, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his works, which he had done, which were completed. In Genesis 1, the word good is used seven times. Seven times in six days, God created and it was good. Day one. God created, and it was good. Day two, day three, day four. And then day six, God created, and it was good. And then he created male and female in the likeness of his own image. And he said, it is exceedingly good, good. (laughs) It's very good. Why? You see, and, and then he rested. Um... Rest, uh, what is left to be done? What is left to be done in creation? Nothing. God had done it all, and it was exceedingly good. So God rested because it was completed. It was complete. Nothing was left undone. It was complete. There was nothing left to do except to enjoy what God had done. Make sure you get this. God had done all the work. And what did Adam and Eve have to do? There was work to do. But it was pleasurable. Eden means pleasure. The work was pleasurable. Adam had had a job. He kept his house. He, He worked the land. He gave the animals names. And God sat back and watched what, an, what Adam would name the animals and dog, elephant. <laughs> the work was pleasurable, and God pleasured in watching Adam live in the land. He had done the work. This was the rest that God intended for his people, to enjoy what God had done. You see, God had delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. God had brought them through the Red Sea. God provided for them in the desert. God brought them the whole way to the promised land, and God had been faithful. God had done it all. What was left to do for the Israelites? Nothing. By faith, enter in and rest and receive the rest that God, rest from God. Now, if you know this story, you're thinking, but wait, they did go in, remember? For 40 years, they went back to the the desert, and that whole generation died off, save Joshua and Caleb, 
and then Joshua brought them back in. But did they receive the rest that God, like God intended for them? Let's go to um, Hebrews 4, back to our text. Did they receive the Sabbath rest, is the question. Hebrews 4, 6. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached. Now, who first preached? It was Moses. Moses was the first preacher who talked about entering in by faith. Did Moses give them the Sabbath rest? No. It was first preached, did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. The author is going to point to David. And he's going to say, he's going to show them that David spoke of another day. Because if Joshua would have given them rest, then why after, as the author says, such a long time is David still talking about another day? And I wanted to to bring weight to after such a long time. How much time is there between Joshua and King David? There was Joshua, then there was Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, and no rest. There was Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, and there was no rest there. Tola, Yar, all these are leaders in Israel. Um, Jephthah, um, Ibzan, Elon, no rest. After such a long time, Abdom, Samson, rest? No. Eli, Samuel, how about King Saul? No rest. King David, he was a man of war. No rest. The author says, after such a long time, we still have not received rest. As David points out, there is still another day. What is he talking about? The word um, another day means a specific day, an ordained day, a day that's been marked out. And he's not just talking about another day. If I could say he's, he's talking about another Joshua. Let me explain what I mean. The word Joshua in Hebrew is Ye- Yeshua. It means Jehovah is salvation. When it's translated, it is Jesus. It's Jesus. My name is Andy, and I go by Andrew, and some people have Andrew, and they, they go by Drew. My son is Jack. You could call him John. It's the same name, but different renderings. Joshua and Jesus, same name, different renderings. If you were a Jew, I wonder what, and you would have read these passages, and you would have thought of Joshua, and you read it, and it said Jesus, and you would have 
But he didn't give rest. You remember he went in and it was war after war after war, fighting from the south to the north to get the promised land? Did Joshua, did, did the first Joshua give them rest? No. But what about the second Joshua? What about Jesus? You see, that the Jews expected the same thing from him. Do you remember what they, what they yelled at Jesus, Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday? What did they yell? Hosanna! Save now is what Hosanna means. Save now from what? From our oppression. We want rest from the Romans. We want to, be, we want to have a nation like King David had. We want to be free from oppression. And they, we want our cherished rest. And Jesus, we want you to give that to us. And they were partially right. But they were very wrong. Because Jesus had come to deliver them from oppression, but not from the Romans. He had come to deliver them from the oppression of a soul that is marked with sin. And not to just free them temporarily like all those leaders did, but to free them for an eternal rest, a Sabbath rest. Turn to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus is speaking to the crowds. And he looks out at the crowds. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor. Labor with what? The law. They had, they've been working the works of salvation and sacrificing and keeping all of the the, the rules and commandments. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I wonder if that dawned on them at all when he said that, I will give you rest. Now, this is the irony of the next chapter. Chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on what day? On the Sabbath. And what happened? Well, his disciples started eating on the Sabbath, which you were not supposed to do by law. And the Pharisees go up to Jesus and they say, don't you see what, your, what the, your disciples are doing? They are doing what is not allowed on the Sabbath. And Jesus says in chapter, in, in verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath to the Jews was an end. And Jesus says, no, it's not. It's a means to an end. It's a shadow of a substance. Jesus Christ is the end. The Sabbath is the means. In Colossians 2.16, it says, Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding festivals or new moon or Sabbaths, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance are of Christ. 
The Sabbath is a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. That's good. Jews didn't get it, though. They were looking for rest in the law. Hebrews, back to Hebrews. Let's finish up our section. Hebrews 4.11. The author is encouraging Encouraging, let us therefore be diligent. That word diligent, spudazzo, means hurry up, work hard, do whatever it takes now. Today is the day of salvation. Be diligent to enter that rest. What rest? The rest that Jesus Christ provides. Lest anyone fall according to the, the same example of disobedience. What example of disobedience? Kadesh Barnea. You are standing on the border of Kadesh Barnea. You can't fall back. God's soul will take no pleasure in you, and you will die in your sin like your forefathers died in the desert. Lest any of you fall according to the same example of disobedience. So what's the big idea? What's the big deal about Sabbath? In Genesis 2, God demonstrates that the works were finished. Everything that needed to be done was done. And I was thinking today as I was praying about this, if the works were done, how does the cross fit into that? And then I remembered in Revelations where it says that John saw a lamb who was slain, when? From the, before, the foundations of the earth. Even that work in God's mind was complete. That blows my mind. The works were done. Adam and Eve, what do you have to do? Enjoy. The finished work of creation and then the finished work of salvation. Do you see what God is illustrating? This is the same thing that he would do and what he would provide through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did the work. What were his last words on the cross? It is finished. The work has been done. What do you have to do? Enter in by faith and enjoy. Is there work to do? You bet. But it's Eden. It is a pleasure. It is a pleasure to work in Christ and for Christ and through Christ, and by the power of Christ. It is a pleasure. Colossians 2.14 says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to a cross, he did all the work. He did all the work that was to be done. What Andy has to do Enter in by faith and enjoy. My question for you is, are you resting? (laughs) Are you resting? A Sabbath rest. Are you in the Sabbath rest in Jesus Christ? Um, You know, I think in, in life, we look for a lot of places to find rest. I think my wife and I, one of the temptations we have is to rest at 8 o'clock p.m. You know what happens at 8 o'clock p.m.? We put our two kids to bed. And we, and there's that, that propensity to think, oh, I can't wait till 8 o'clock. I can get some rest. 
And guess what? The next morning they wake up before me. No, there's no Sabbath rest. We, can, we, we look for rest in, in jobs. If I can just get this job, life will be good. I don't have to worry anymore. And then things like a couple years come along when the economy crashes and you find out that it wasn't a Sabbath rest. It's just a nap. Not a, it wasn't a rest like God intended. We think of maybe we'll find rest in, um, in marrying a certain person. If I could just marry that person, I could find rest. And you put the weight on that person that only Christ can bear. And what happens a couple years later? Well, that person wants to get out of the relationship. Why? It wasn't very restful. And besides, that person over there looks more restful. Why? Because only Jesus can provide you with true rest. What's that song we sang? I am resting, resting, resting in the joy of what Jesus Christ only provides. Sabbath rest. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are good. Lord, I thank you for showing your goodness through your word. Lord, I thank you for providing rest for weary souls, Lord. Lord, I pray with the centurion, Lord, I believe, but increase my faith. Lord, help us. Lord, give us rest in you. Help us to to turn away the idols that we turn to and, and say, this will give me peace and this will give me rest. And Lord, help us to fully lean on Jesus Christ who welcomes us. Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen.